The whys and wherefores of my arrival in Cuba would fill a few hundred pages, and just as surely cure the worst insomnia known to mankind. So let's cut through the bullshit and go to the executive version. A recent vacation in sunny North Korea had left me so refreshed that I found myself locked away in a hospital ward, in traction and in a foul mood. Unable to spring me, my main squeeze, Karen Fairchild, nonetheless undertook to nurse me back to health, smuggling in copious amounts of Bombay sapphire. Thanks to the care of Dr. Bombay, I rallied and managed to leave the hospital before the billing department figured out how to spell my last name. Karen and I planned a nice Caribbean vacation in celebration. My friend Ken Jones at the CIA had other ideas. Ken is a former admiral who defected to the Christians in Action, the government agency known to the incredulous as the Central Intelligence Agency. In my experience, it's neither central nor intelligent, though I have to admit that I've never looked to the government to be accurate in anything, let alone naming its various parts. Ken is the agency's DCI, an abbreviation that I believe stands for Director of the Cant cunt inquisitors, though most people who haven't dealt with him say it means director of the CIA. Ken called me the day I got home from the hospital and asked how I was. Admiral, fuck you very much for calling, I said in my pleasant voice. Doctors say I'm contagious and can't see anyone from the government for at least a decade. You're a card, dick. Let's have a drink. Sorry but I've got a lot of other things to do. I was thinking the same thing when the invoice from Red Cell International hit my desk. It was just like the Admiral to bring up money. Red Cell International is my corporate umbrella, the security company that conducts various rogue and not-so-rogue activities across the globe. The CIA owed Red Cell a considerable amount of do-re-mi, including the not insignificant expenses we'd incurred in North Korea. Cash flow being what it was, even a short delay in paying the bills would be a problem. My accountant has three kids in college, and their tuition bills were due. You're not trying to blackmail me, are you, Admiral? I asked. Dick, I wouldn't do that but I do have a lot of work to do, a lot on my plate, so to speak. You could lighten that load with a little favor, a tiny one, actually. The smaller the favor, the bigger the problem. But Ken wouldn't take no for an answer, and a few hours later I found myself sipping gin with him at his favorite little bar outside of Langley. Ken stuck to light beer, a sure sign of trouble. It took two rounds before he got to the point, reaching into his jacket pocket for a pair of photos that he laid on the table. One was a recent picture of yours truly, snapped somewhere in what we used to call the mysterious Orient, before we got all PC religion and switched to more acceptable terms like the asshole pit of Asia. Shot somewhere in Pyongyang, the North Korean capital, the picture showed me with my beard more kempt than normal, though from the glint in my eye I knew I must have been enjoying myself, probably by planning what I would do to one of my government escorts when I didn't have to be polite anymore. The other photo showed me in a more relaxed moment, face flushed, eyes bugging out, teeth 
poised for blood. It would have made a lovely yearbook shot. Except it wasn't me. Ken reached into his jacket for another shot, showing me that it was actually an enlargement from a group photo. The group shot revealed that the florid face belonged to a man who favored starched puke green fatigues, a clothing choice that has never agreed with me. Recognize him? asked Ken. We were separated at birth, I said, handing the photos back. After the doctor dropped him on his head. The great thing about Ken is that he has exactly no sense of humor, and it took him quite a while to figure out if I was joking or not, which was my cue to leave, though I didn't take it.